and uh, there's a lot of good ones. They're all good ones. All three of those were good songs tonight. And um, man, that phrase, that phrase is going to be stuck in my mind. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design. That, that, that was quite, that's quite a powerful statement right there. I need to chew on that one for a while. And that was good for me tonight. Amen. That's why always the songs of God, the word of God, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his songs, too. And I thank God for that. And uh, for a few weeks, we're going to take, we have been in the book of Ephesians. And probably you didn't even notice it. And if you did, you know, and if you didn't, you don't need to tell me this. But probably a year and a half ago, I took up in Ephesians chapter 5 and went from the spirit-filled life and taught all through there. And then I did the, um, the armor of God. So where we had gotten to in the book of Ephesians, I'd already done. And for some reason, the Lord wanted me to go back, and I know to do those first several books again. And I hadn't done those, and so I did that in the book of Ephesians. And so, and actually, if I'm telling you the truth, that's really the second time I've taught through the book of Ephesians. First time I did it, I'd only been pastoring a year or two. And that series that I did on the book of Ephesians was just, it was like drinking water, basically. And uh, you might say this was like water, too. I hope it was more milk or even some strong meat. But my study habits have changed a lot from when I first started pastoring to now. And so that's why I redid the book of Ephesians. But we're going to be over the next several weeks. And um, this, uh, a week from Sunday will be the first Sunday of August. We're, we're planning on doing vacation Bible school still for our kids. We're going to be doing it all outdoors because can't, they can't get upset with me doing everything outdoors. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do it every Sunday night during the month of August. So it's going to be Sunday night during the month of August. And what that's going to do is in the month of September... You know how we had our Awana program this last year, and Marquise led that, and good old Marquise decided to leave us and get married and do all that. And uh, he came by the other day, and it was good to see him. And he was sunburned from his, from his uh, honeymoon. And I didn't know that was possible, but he was. And so they had a good time on there. They had a good time on there. And if you say, what do you, how was he sunburned? I'll explain to you after the service when the video's off, and I'll do that if anybody would like to know. Marquise, Marquise probably isn't watching, so I don't have to worry about it. And, uh, but we're going to be, in September, starting our kids' program back up. We're going to tweak it some, revamp it a little bit. But instead of having Thursday night where there's a whole other night, because to me, um, having church on Sunday and then Wednesday night, and then we had Thursday doing Awanas, it was just a lot and an extra night. So we're going to move it to Sunday night. And with that, Matthew, my brother-in-law, will be able to run it. And so we're going to need helpers for that. For Vacation Bible School, we're going to need helpers for that as well. And what's going to happen is then Wednesday night, it'll be similar to our Sunday night where everyone will just be in here together. And what I'm going to end up doing over time is, and if this is too much information for you, we'll figure it out and you'll get to hear more about it. But Wednesday night's going to be, I'm going to switch the books of the Bible to Wednesday nights starting in September once we get there because the kids and everybody it'll be like our Sunday night service on Wednesday night because Sunday night the adults will still have church while the kids have their program Sunday night so we're going to make all that work together and you say how's that going to all work out we'll figure it out maybe in September the Lord will come and we won't even have to figure it out and that'll be alright too or the governor will just close everything down but I said we'll still be here and if I'm here by myself I'll still be here we'll make it work but 
I, a few weeks ago, well, you know, since the beginning of the year, I started this thing of trying to lose weight and to get fit. And um, started January 8th. I can look on my phone. That was the first day. And I have an app that you keep track of all that stuff. And I could go back on my phone. And for the most part, except for last week was the first time, going back to January 8th, let's see, all the circles I closed every day starting on January 8th. First day I walked a grand total of two miles. Go on vacation, I forgot about my, I didn't close my things. I stopped just this last week, went 150 something days straight with not missing an exercise, with all these different things, and you know, go from 334 pounds down to 245. And so 89 pounds, the goal is to get over 100. We'll see what happens. Went on vacation, had a little bit of soda on vacation, had some ice cream. Ice cream is just so good. Had, had a, oh man, had a cinnamon roll, and Jay, the cinnamon rolls from that, man. I almost got sick from that cinnamon roll, though. It was so sweet, and I only had, a, I, I did get sick, though, didn't I? I was like, I just had a little tiny bit, but it was good. And uh, I was afraid when I got back to step on the scale, but all's well, didn't gain anything. So praise the Lord for that. And I went hiking while I was there to try and, I, this, is, this is my game plan now. And this is a terrible game plan. My game plan was before, eat hardly anything, exercise a lot, lose weight. Now it's like if I do a lot of exercise, I can eat a little worse today <laughs> because I did a bigger workout for the day to balance it all out. That's balance, right? But um, and I mentioned it before, so it, I'd gone quite a long time. So the first day I missed was July 12th was the first day. And that was when we left on vacation that night. The first time I didn't close all my rings in over six months. And I have on my phone, I have a Bible app that I use as well. And I read my Bible. I have a Bible app. This Bible app I like because I have a Bible plan that I go through on here. And when you open up this Bible app, first thing that happens there is it tells you how long your streak is of how many days you've gotten on here. And so right now it says four weeks is where it's at now. But before that, and now I read my Bible, this is something extra on top of everything else. You think about preparing three or four sermons a week, you're, you know, I'm literally in the Bible a lot. But I also need Brian time in the Bible, not Pastor Brian time in the Bible. There's a difference between the two. And you might not understand that all, and so, but there's a difference. Because I need my Brian time in the Bible as well as the Pastor Brian time. And so one of the things the Lord convicted me about was you're so worried about being physically fit that you're doing your exercise every day. And you're so proud of your rings being closed every day for six months. But then I know this is extra, but you're not concerned about your streak of how many days you open your Bible app and read those, that passage of scripture either. It's a good thing to get physically fit. I believe it's a good thing. I believe it's healthy for you, and it's good. But as a Christian, we need to get spiritually fit. We need spiritual discipline. We need to be growing in the Christian life. I feel one of the worst things about the past four months to this point is that a lot of Christians are losing ground in their Christian life. There hasn't been a lot of growth. And I, there are lots of things that attribute to that. 
You know, one thing, just watching service online is not church. It's not. And I understand there's some out there tonight, and that's the best you can do right now. You do the best you can do. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But we all, we love to quote that verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But the truth of that passage is, is the verses before that, where we're supposed to be provoking one another to good works. And that's part of a church. A church, the body, the people, encouraging one another. That's how we spiritually lift each other up and grow. It's part of the process. And I hear people often that they can, uh, they can, get it, they can be spiritual all on their own. And more power to them if they can. And I'm sure there are some people that can. But I'm a firm believer that we need one another to help us grow. Can you grow without ever? Yes, you can. But I believe that that's a big part of it. And I'm going to take the next few weeks, maybe four, well, we have, we have about five weeks. That's about the time that I'm going to take for this small series. And just getting fit. And tonight I'm going to talk about discipline. Now, if you're going to get physically fit, discipline is a big part of that. But spiritually getting fit, discipline is just as big a part of that. You know, one of the things when I started dieting and I I'm praying that I figure out a way to balance everything out and not gain all the weight back that I've lost because I think that's going to be the hardest part of it all and I've never you know whatever the case may be but discipline's important because it used to be I would just drink a Dr. Pepper anytime I wanted Dr. Pepper if I felt like Dr. Pepper I got one and I drank it if I wanted a donut I'd just go get a donut if I wanted ice cream, bless the Lord, I would just get some ice cream and enjoy it. Man, after a long day, there's nothing better than just a bowl of ice cream. I just literally, you know, donuts are your thing, ice cream's my thing. I could just, man, and especially when there's a long day, like the past four months, some of the craziness that's gone on, man, if I get depressed, the best thing for me has always been just get a bowl of ice cream. Maybe even two by the time it's all said and done. It just did a, it was as good. I was just, man, I could just relax. But it takes discipline. No late night candy. No late night snacks. No fudge covered Oreos, Maria. And anyways, we'll leave all that there and skip all that. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. We're going to talk about being spiritually fit. We're going to talk about discipline tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And look with me down at verse number 24. The Bible says... Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertain, and certainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Father, I pray that you bless the time that we have here tonight. Help us in this passage of Scripture and help us as we look at this tonight. Work in our lives and help us, help those watching online tonight. Help us to get a desire to be spiritually fit and to live for you and to get some discipline as we read about here in this passage tonight. We love you. Bless the time that we have. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at discipline. Next Wednesday night we're going to look at worship. Next, the following week, we're going to look at biblical values. We're going to look at the next week, our witness. We're going to look at our serving. Those are the five areas that I'm going to cover over the next five weeks. Have you ever looked at a mature Christian and wished you could just be like them? Man, I wish I had the faith of so-and-so. Or man, I wish I knew the Bible like so-and-so does. Wouldn't it be great to be able to pray like so-and-so does? Ever, ever thought those things? Most of us want instant growth. We want just everything to boom and, man, we're a mature, great Christian all at one moment. It's how young people are today. You know, young people look and they want everything that their parents have and more. That their parents have worked 30 to 50 years plus to get to. I want more. I want what they have. I want to own a house like they do. I want this. It takes time. Growth is a process. And spiritual development only comes through the process and through practicing spiritual disciplines. Another way to say this is we need to cultivate some healthy habits if we're going to grow in holiness. There are two truths I want to give you before I give you, get into the meat tonight that I want you to keep in mind tonight. The first one is this. God is committed to our growth. God is committed to our growth. I want you to remember these things as we go through this series for the next five weeks. God is committed to our growth. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 6, the Bible says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. That word increase in Greek means growth. God gave the growth. Yeah, Paul, he planted the seed. Another one, water, but God's the one who gives the growth. God is committed to our growth. Number two, we must take responsibility for our growth. These are the two things I want you to keep in mind. The first one, God is committed to our growth. And then number two, we must take responsibility for our growth. The Bible tells us 2 Peter 3, verse number 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, it's not... A, it's, we work together. Yes, God is committed to our growth. But we also got to be committed to it. There are some Christians, oh, the Lord will take care of it all. And he can. But you also have to work out your own salvation, the Bible says. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. I think this explains it very well to us. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now look at this. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We you see, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now that's not saying that's our salvation, right? Our salvation comes from the Lord, right? We're supposed to work out our Christianity. We're supposed to live it out. And it's God who worketh in you. It's a joint effort. You and the Lord together in this area of growth. The Bible is filled 
with metaphors or images that help us understand the importance of spiritual growth. You think of a soldier. You think of an athlete. You think of a farmer. Some examples, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 3 through 6, the Bible tells us, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Verse number 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. And you see a soldier, you see he's mentioned here the dedication. Verse, two and th verse 3 and 4, the dedication of a soldier. In verse number 5 there, we see <coughs> the discipline of an athlete. And then in verse number 6, we see the diligence of that farmer, the husbandman. And we see Paul mentions a lot of sports analogies. I think that Paul was a sports junkie just a little bit. And that's why, that's why I say I, I just like to be like Paul in that area. You know, I'm sure that if Paul was here today, he'd be a Laker fan, not a Clipper fan. He'd be an Angel fan and not a Dodger fan. You say, well, how do you know that? The blood of Jesus is red, it's not blue. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just remember that. That's pretty obvious there. And I believe that the Lord would probably be a Charger fan and not a... And I think Paul is probably a Charger fan. I think it's a lightning bolt. That just symbolizes something about the Lord, right? And uh, the Raiders are just like... The devil's team. I don't know how else to put it there. And I don't know where else to go, you, you know, and all of that. And, you know, if you're a Redskins fan, you're going to have to think of something else now. I don't know what your team name is going to be. And if they're going to get rid of the Redskins, they might as well get rid of the Cowboys too, right? Because that could be offensive to some white guys in Texas. I don't know. But we look and we think about it, and Paul, he, he mentions these things. And I think he was a little bit of a sports junkie. And Paul loved to draw teaching from training that involved an athlete. That's what we just read about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, which we'll dive into a little bit deeper tonight. But here are some other passages that he mentions. Other things, Acts 20, verse 24, the Bible says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And he's talking about finishing his course, the race that he's running. He's comparing it to a race there. We think about Galatians 5, verse number 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? When we see running. I don't know. Anybody like to run in the room? Run away from the police? Is that what you, no, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. That was just a joke there. Yeah. <laughs> i got to be careful of the things I say. shouldn't have said that one there. And uh, Jade, you say you like to run? You run a lot, and then you eat the donuts, huh? Is that how it works? That's how it works. Okay, see, I get it. And uh, you can burn more. See, for me, I tried running, and it just doesn't work out very well. That's why I go hiking. I can walk and still do all that. But anyways, you did run well. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, the Bible tells us, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise rather exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. That used to be my favorite verse in the Bible before I started losing weight. Bodily exercise, it profits little. Don't forget that. But godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. 
Hebrews 12, verse number 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, and some people say, well, Paul didn't write the book of Hebrews. He probably did, but even if he didn't, it's still a good one here. Wherefore, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Paul said before his death in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I finished my race. And I kept the faith. We go back to our text tonight, and one of the clearest passages about the importance of discipline is found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through verse 27. Drawing from the sport of running and wrestling or boxing, Paul urges the Christian, he urges the disciple or the Christian to develop discipline. Let's look at these verses again one more time in our text, and we'll get to the notes for tonight. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Not boxing in the air. Verse number 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castle. There are four demands of discipline for the disciple of Christ found in these verses tonight. And here's a frame that we can put around these demands. It takes discipline to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It takes discipline to spiritually grow. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It's intentional. Don't forget that. I'll give you four points. We'll be done tonight. Number one, go for the goal. Go for the goal. We read that there in verse number 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. The length of the race is clearly marked. If you're going to run in a race, you know where the finish line is. And, if and that's just the way that it goes. And the command here is run. Go after the goal. It's not to walk, not to stop, not to sit down, not to coast, not be a spectator. Go after the goal. Run. Only those who kept the goal in mind would have the chance of winning. I heard this said, and man talk about Johnny, I was, you and I were talking about some books and things to read. He's around for the rest of the summer and things. One of the most convicting things I've ever read in my life is the 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. Has anybody ever read that before? It's convicting. What a, and what, and you wonder, he preached that message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And we're told that that message, people literally felt like they were falling into hell and the Holy Spirit's presence was so powerful in the room. And they say that he was probably one of the worst speakers ever. Monotone voice didn't, didn't get loud, anything. But the power of God was all over him. 
And his 70 resolutions, here's one that got to me. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Here's another one. Resolved that all men should live for the glory of God. Resolved second, that whether others do or not, I will. He had a goal in mind with his life. Go after the goal. What is your goal tonight? What are you trying to do and what are you trying to accomplish in the Christian life? Losing weight, there had to be a goal. You know, my first goal was 20 pounds. First week, I mean, I ate hardly anything. I was exercising, and I gained two pounds. No soda, no nothing. Two pounds I gained the first week. I was ticked. I'm going to give myself one more week, and the goal was 20 pounds. The next week, I went down seven. So I got a little bit excited. Over time, it got to 20 pounds. And then it got to the point where it was, I was near 300 and it just wouldn't go under that 300 threshold. And then my goal was 275. And then my goal was 250. And now the goal is 234, which is 100 pounds from where I was. But you've got to have a goal. A goal is important. Spiritually speaking tonight, what is your goal? I think it should be pretty easy. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be able to say, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I want everything that I do, whether I eat or whatever I do, for it all to be done for the glory of God. Those are my goals as a Christian. So Paul says here, go after the goal. So what is your goal tonight as a Christian? Most Christians don't have a goal. You need to get one. We have one life to live. And it's going by fast. What are your goals? Because the longer we live, we're getting closer and closer to that finish line. Are you meeting those goals? Go after the goal. In the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, there was a Tanzanian runner, Joseph Stephen, I can't even say, Akwari, was the last runner in the marathon. He came in about an hour and a half after the winner came in. Practically carrying his leg, he was so bloodied and bandaged. Film director Bud Greenspan asked him, why did you keep going? He said, you don't understand, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me to finish it. Are you committed to finish this race, this course that God has for you? We see number one, as we talk about discipline in the spiritual life, you need a goal. What is your goal? Number two, pay the price. Pay the price. Pay the price. It's worth it in the Christian life. Man, you need to get some goals. I hope that there's some extra room at the end of your paper from tonight. I did that on purpose. Because if you don't have goals in the Christian life, 
then you need to get some. And I think they're very easy things, not easy things to do, but it's pretty obvious in Scripture that everything we do should glorify God. Whatsoever our hand finds to do, do all or do it with all of our might. Give it everything, give it everything we've got to God. To hear that well done, now good and faithful servant. To have crowns to put at his feet, to finish our course that God's given to us. Set some goals. And then number two, pay the price. Look at verse number 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. That word striveth is very graphic. It literally means it's where we get the word agony from. It's not something that we would use, that word strive there. We wouldn't use it too much today the way they use it here. But it has the idea of agony. It, could, it carries the idea of struggling or contending with an enemy. The phrase temperate means to exercise restraint or abstinence. So, especially like food, alcohol, things of that nature. So we not only need to say yes to certain things, we also have to say no to things and pay the price. You see, go for the goal Pay the price. And you think about that there. And it says there, every man that striveth for the mastery, it's hard at times. Man, when I started this thing of trying to lose, it was tough. This thing of, and especially my first few hikes, I thought I was going to die. Literally, I thought I was going to die. Today, I was on one this morning. I went and there were these firefighters that were practicing and Poor guys. It's like, I went late today. It was like 10 when I went. Normally I try not to do it that late, but it's almost 10. And these guys were in full firefighter suits, had big backpacks on, had a fire hose, and they were walking up the same way I was going. And I got part way up and I thought, oh, I'm tired. My body says no more. But you got to pay the price. In the Christian life, there are things that you got to do that are good for you. But then you need the self-control, the temper. Self-control. Self-control. To say no to things. This could change any day, and I could totally go backwards on this. But I'm just going to give you a little heads up right here. And I'm, not tr I'm not bragging about losing weight and all that because... I could gain it all back. I saved all my suits just in case, you know, because that could happen. I'm just, you know, why, why get rid of them? They were good. They were all brand new suits, and, you know, I'm saving them and different things. But the thing that I tried losing weight before, I've tried different things and all of that. The one thing that was, that's different this time is the Holy Spirit's help. My self-discipline has been so much better. Not because Brian has great self-discipline, because Brian doesn't. Because like I said before, Brian gets depressed. Brian just eats the ice cream. Mm. Brian wants a Dr. Pepper. Brian just drinks a Dr. Pepper because it's good. And in fact, I just feel like a Dr. Pepper. That's not good. A Dr. Pepper, an ice-cold Dr. Pepper sounds wonderful. No. But there are things you've got to say yes to and things you say no to. And losing weight, yes to going on a long walk. But it's hot outside. I don't feel like it. No to the ice cream. But isn't that opposite how we want to be? 
We want to say yes to the bad stuff and no to the good stuff. In the Christian life, you've got to pay the price. It's worth it. And when we look at this, you think about this, the winner of the race would receive a crown. But I want you to understand something. A crown made of metal, or back in those days it was of shrubbery that would last for a week. That's all that their crowns would last. Our spiritual crowns are incorruptible. They never fade away. Are you willing to go after the goal? Are you willing to pay the price? It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Number one, I said tonight that we have to go after the goal. Number two, we've got to pay the price. Number three, we have to eradicate empty effort. Eradicate empty effort. Verse 26 tells us that we look at what it says there. It says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Paul tells us here that we are to live our lives with purpose and direction. I run. I therefore so run, not with nowhere to go, not without a purpose. I got a purpose behind it. I fight, not as one that's fighting in the empty air. You see this right here? If a runner had a chance to win, he had to stay on course. He couldn't be like Forrest Gump and just run. He had to do it with purpose. Paul then switches the metaphor from uh, running and he goes to boxing here. Or maybe UFC fighting. I don't know. But the boxers would wear gloves covered. And as they do these things, back in those days, boxers would wear gloves covered with knots and nails and filled with lead and iron. And it wouldn't make much sense to be an armed for battle and just to be boxing the air. I'm fighting. No, you need purpose behind it. What are you running for? This third point, eradicate empty efforts. Are your efforts empty? Are you spending your time on things that don't matter? Someone has said that too many of us show a first-rate dedication to a second-rate cause. There's a scene in Alice in Wonderland where Alice asked the cat, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? The cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to get. Alice says, I don't much care where. And the cat replies, then it doesn't matter which way you go. We've got to eradicate the empty effort. In Philippians 2, verse number 16, Paul says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And can you and I say the same thing? Wouldn't it be terrible for our lives to end and wonder if we really made a difference? Hey, did I run this life and it was empty? Did I labor and do these things and wasn't in vain? Man, we got to eradicate the empty efforts. It takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Go after the goal. Pay the price. Eradicate empty efforts. And lastly, bully your body. Bully your body. Bully your body? What are you saying? Look at verse 27. Sounds kind of strange a little bit, doesn't it? But I keep under my body... And bring it into subjection, 
Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Bully your body. Doesn't that sound odd? How many of you have ever heard someone told you, tell you before to bully your body? Anybody ever tell you that before? It's probably not a phrase you hear too often. The Bible says here that we are supposed to, Paul says, he said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. The word keep under is translated buffet. It kind of looks like buffet, but it's not a talking about a buffet, okay? <laughs> it's not, you know, you know, a buffet. There aren't even buffets around right now, right? You can't even go to a buffet if you wanted to. That keep under, it means, when we think, it means to beat, to hit under the eye, to subdue, or to beat black and blue. That's literally what it means, to keep your body in subjection. Now let me ask you this. Is your body your slave? Or are you a slave to your body? Do you treat it? Or do you beat it? Are you leading your passions? Or are your passions leading you? Don't let your body tell your mind what to do. Let your mind tell your body what to do. Someone said it like this, thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to habits, habits become your character, character determines destiny. Spiritual champions are made, they're not born. Man, I've, I've mentioned um, Jonathan Edwards. Another guy that's just convicting his life is John Wesley. And I read this, that John Wesley traveled an average of 20 miles a day for 40 years. Now, 20 miles isn't much to us today, but you've got to remember they didn't have cars back then, okay? So this was a much bigger deal. He got up every morning at 4 a.m. He preached 40,000 sermons. He produced 400 books, and he knew 10 languages. John Wesley, at the age of 83... He was annoyed with himself because he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day without his hurting his eyes. He was upset with himself at 83 that he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day. At the age of 86, he was ashamed that he couldn't preach more than twice a day at 86 years old. He complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until 5.30 in the morning. At age 86. It takes discipline to be a disciple. Because spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. Go after the goal. Do you have a goal? Pay the price. Eradicate empty effort. And bully your body. Discipline. We need discipline in our physical lives, and we need discipline in our spiritual lives. Paul gives us four ways to do that. And so over the next several weeks, we'll be looking more and diving deeper into this thing of being spiritually fit. And if you'll take the time in your, in your regular life to go on a walk, to go, well, you can't go to a gym right now, but, you know, an outdoor gym or whatever the case may be, or your home gym and uh, all those things. It's so important that we're spiritually where we need to be. 
get spiritually fit? Discipline. If the Christian life were easy, everyone would do a great job at it. But it's not. Let's get some discipline. Hey, let's get some goals. Get a goal. Get a goal. And once you get that goal, start moving forward for God. Pay that price. Eradicate the empty effort. And watch what God can do. And then, you know what's going to happen as you pay the price, your body's going to be like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right? I don't want to go on that hike. Stop it. Don't do it to me anymore. You're going to want to give in to your flesh. No, don't, don't control me anymore. Let me control you. I like controlling you. That's what our flesh likes to say. But bully your body. Put it in its rightful place. Put God in its rightful place. You see, it's all part of the thing. If we are walking in the spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? And so when the flesh is leading us, we cannot be disciplined. The flesh must be put down and the spirit must be leading. It all ties together. Father, thank you for the time we've had tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your word. Bless the rest of our evening. We love you. Be with our country. Be with our president. Be with our governor. Pray that you would work on his heart. I think more and more every day I've been praying more and more for him. Pray that he would get to know you. That he would turn from the things that he does. That he would be more favorable towards you and towards good. Pray bless our evening. We love you. Bless the rest of this week. Pray this Sunday that we'd have more folks come to church. If we need to move things outside to make more people people comfortable, if that's what we need to do, then let's do it. But Father's just kind of disheartening over the past several weeks, going from before all this, two hundred people in church, to about hundred and thirty, and then about ninety something this last week. And not disheartening for me. I just know this body needs to be glorifying you and help us do what's right. I know days are tough around us, but I'm so glad that the flame shall not hurt thee because you only design. Wow. I needed that tonight. You've got a purpose and you've got a plan behind everything. And we just got to trust you. Thank you for you being you. Thank you for being in our lives. Help us to develop these disciplines in our lives and help us be spiritually fit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.